on today's podcast. We'll talk about the trade deadline and what did and did not happen. We'll give out some butt pats in one of our new segments. And then we'll go back to the Moneyball segment and we'll discuss the odds of some various Padres-related things happening. This is the August 5th, 2014 edition of the Intelligence Podcast. the Gwintelligence Podcast. This is podcast number two. Uh, before we begin, we'll go to introductions again, and I just want to thank everyone for listening to the first one and going to the site. We had much higher uh, viewing than I guess we had expected, and we're very grateful. Um, I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined, by always, uh, as always, by the venerable Padres Tagoff. Yes, ready to podcast. Popping open my podcast fuel right now, actually. Excellent, excellent. So uh, last episode, we talked about uh, Houston Street and Chase Headley getting dealt. Um, we, it was a few days before the trade deadline. The deadline is now passed. Uh, one more Padre was dealt. That is Chris DeNorfia. Um, additionally, Ian Kennedy and Joaquin Benoit were not dealt. I think some people were expecting they would get dealt. They did not. Uh, let's talk about these two. Uh, first, Dino. He's dealt to the Seattle Mariners for two minor leaguers, um, I guess one of one of them, Abraham Almonte, is already with the Padres Major League team, so I guess don't consider him a minor leaguer. The other is a Triple A relief pitcher who's going to turn 26 in September. Um, <clears throat> what is your impression of this Padres Jagoff? Like I love Christian Orfia, like most fans. I mean, he, there's no question he's a fan favorite in the mold of uh, like an Eric Owens. Uh, you know, and he's had flashes of some good play, maybe not this season, but, you know, I've got good memories of him. I was at the game. He hit the home run off of Roldis Chapman to win it last season. It was fantastic. Um, going now, now, so saying that his value is clearly to the fan base, not to the team. Um, he's a popular player, but you're not going to get that much for him. And frankly, I'm shocked that we got a player that was on an opening day roster uh, in Abraham Almonte. Um, you know, I, I was expecting less than that. Um, so for me, it's a win for the team. Um, I mean, Almonte is on the team now. He's doesn't look like he's going to be a great hitter, but he's certainly got speed and he certainly can't field any worse than Alexia Marista in center field. And you got Maven suspended. So, you know, it's, it's, I can think of worse deals than this one. And we've had plenty of those old 27 year old relievers who, uh, you know, find their way in San Diego. Yeah, I was expecting nothing for Kristen Orfia, really. You know, maybe some guy who's just minor league uh, depth with a very small chance of coming up and helping the team long term. Single A level. I think that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Kind of single and, A, fly, and, take a flyer on him. Yeah, you go to a team's top 20 prospect list, you take the 18th guy, and I think that would have pleased me. Um as far as what we got in return, though, uh, so I've been doing some research on these guys. The Almonte guy seems like he'll provide some reasonable value short term, at least in terms of he'll be able to spell guys. He's he's not a starter. He's If Padres fans are thinking that he's going to potentially compete to be the starting center fielder or starting outfielder at any point in time, they're doing it wrong. Uh, he's a guy with maybe a little bit of upside to become a fourth outfielder with some speed, a tiny bit of pop. Um, and some versatility, but I think we already had that in Alexi Amarista. So I well, don't know. I mean, let's all admit that Amarista totally blows in center field as a fielder. That's true. But I'm not sure if this guy's going to be any better. I mean, until we see him, I guess there's really no way to uh, make a good comparison. His numbers oh, today in the major leagues, at least defensively, uh, are it's first of all, it's not a large sample, and second of all, it's not conclusive at all anyway. Um, so there's really not much to go off of here besides old scouting reports from 2011 that I'm finding online when he was a Yankee. So did you see him uh, on the base paths? It was last night or two nights ago. Um, the dude can fly though. I, I mean, just watching him, watching him run the base paths is he may be the fastest player on the team at this point, like faster than Everth. Um, he is. Well, Everth is not fast anymore. But he is not fast anymore. He That's got thrown out last night by Evan Gaddis, and it was like. It was a big – it was an important stolen base situation. It's like 
you're not going to be able to steal those off Evan Gaddis anymore. I'm not going to consider you fast unless it's just maybe it was just one bad jump, but he just looks fatter and slower this season. So well, he did lose his proprietary speed fuel. So that that is true. That is true. He did. Um, yeah. So I guess if well, you could but look again, he was on an opening day roster for a possible playoff team at this point. Um, Again, that's as much as any of us could possibly expect for Chris. Half, you know, two months of Chris Norfia. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the trade. I just don't think Padres fans should uh, count on these guys to do anything more than provide a little bit more value than Norfia was going to provide over the past over the next two months, which yeah. was basically nothing. Right? But I mean, are they? I mean, does anyone think he's going to beat Cameron Maben out at the start of next season for center field, or that whoever the manager is would even consider starting El Monte over Maben? I guess well, it's more in the sense that, like, look, if Amante comes in and in his first 20 at-bats is 10 for 20, like, please don't use that as any sort of evidence that he's going to be useful as a center fielder going forward. Like, yeah. I, well, I don't think you need to worry about that. I saw him at the place this weekend. He's, uh, you don't need to worry about going for 10 for 20. Right. Um, so then I guess let's, let's talk about the reliever, too, or at least let me give Padres fans a little bit of background. Uh, he's 26, like I said. He threw in double-A uh, all of last year. Got called up to triple-A this year for the Mariners. He's got a decent strikeout percentage, eight or nine an inning. Um, doesn't walk many guys, but he does give up home runs, which tells me that his stuff is hittable. So I'm, I'm looking at him more of like a sixth, seventh inning uh, sort of relief pitcher other, rather than a long-term back-end sort of guy. And to be fair, his uh, Oliver and Zips projections right now are very bad. So, at the uh, very least, you know, it's AAA depth. Because at some point, we'd like to hope a lot of those AAA. There, there's a good amount of our, our better pitching prospects that are, are, are at AAA or will wind up at AAA after they rehab. So, I mean, you've got to fill the roster with something. Yeah. This guy would have been a lot better two years ago, in my opinion. Because two years ago, we had a rotation with like Kip Wells, Clayton Richard, Edison. No one could get out of the second inning or the third Please inning. Please don't forget so Jeff. Yeah, true. <laughs> this would have been nice to have him come in there and at least throw one respectable inning in the middle of those awful, awful games. Um, yeah, going forward, though, I think you're, I think you're right. He's kind of triple A depth. He might get a call up if you know, like a stopper gets hurt, or uh, maybe if Dale Thayer went down or something like that. God forbid Dale Thayer and his beard gets hurt. But oh god, his mutton chops are the, they give me a boner every time I see them. <laughs> I was watching the game last night actually with uh, a friend of mine and. They had never seen Dale Thayer, and they were just mortified by the facial hair. Mortified. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's awesome. See, I watched the game with my half-sister, who's not a Padres fan, lives in L.A., who had never seen Dale Thayer, and her response was exactly the opposite. It was the awesomest thing she'd ever seen. So Nice. Yeah, that's, that's what it should be. All right, so I think we're uh, both in agreement here. They got something for Dino more than we expected. Um, however, they did not deal Ian Kennedy or Joaquin Benoit. Um, I'm okay with them holding on to Kennedy. I think last podcast we talked about the fact that in order for them to get a bat in the off season, they're going to have to deal an arm. Um, if that's not Kennedy, as long as it's, you know, someone that they're moving these pieces around to get, if the deal is better in the off season than it was yesterday, that's okay with me. Um, but Benoit, I don't necessarily understand. Uh, we went into it last podcast too, that, you know, all his value is tied up in 2015 as a relief pitcher why would you not want to get something that could possibly help you in 2016 and beyond for someone who, quite frankly, you just signed in free agency. Padres fans aren't tied to Benoit, and I think most Padres fans were hoping for him to get dealt. I don't know if they were. San Diego is a weird proclivity for loving their closers, regardless of whether they've been a closer for a week and a half or, uh, or for years. Um. I think you would have seen all of the, uh, the average mighty 1090 callers talking about the fire sale had they traded him. Not to say that I am uh, opposed. I, th- I very much wish that they had traded him, and nothing infuriated me more than seeing posts about how uh, the Dodgers were the big player and then talking about how we can't help them win a division. Because oh, God. obviously everyone knows when you make a trade, you're handing away your player but asking for nothing in value back, right? <laughs> so we would just be handing him to the Dodgers. That drove me crazy, by the way, because, uh, yeah, obviously it doesn't make sense logically, like you're saying. But the other thing is, you know, the Potters have a history of trading with teams in the division, if you go look at it. And at no point in time have the Potters ever really helped one of those teams win a pennant. 
if you remember 2008, the Padres traded Greg Maddox for the Dodgers for essentially nothing. Two, a player to be named later, later. They both ended up being low minor league players that never made the major leagues for the Padres. And you know what Greg Maddox did? He threw four innings of worthless pitching for the Dodgers in those playoffs. They lost in the NLCS. Maddox didn't make any difference whatsoever. So um, He did probably piss on some legs in the shower. Yeah, maybe he was good he in the clubhouse. Club I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you go look at other trades the Padres have made. So they dealt Thatcher last year, the Diamondbacks. That didn't help them, obviously. Uh, before that, they had made some trades with the San Francisco Giants. The most significant of those, though, didn't have an effect in the season that they sent them. Uh, for example, Kevin Mitchell uh, famously dealt in 87. And I think uh, the Padres get back got... for that. Was that Mark Grant? Yeah, and Mark Davis. Um, oh, yeah, so that's not too bad. bad. Yeah, and, and so the, the the point here, of course, is that it's never happened before. You know, the Padres fans are worrying about something that's never happened in the past. Look, if the Dodgers are going to win the World Series this year, it's not going to be because Joaquin Benoit is helping them. In the no, and I, I was reading rumors about possibly Zach Lee being the person that we'd give back, and I, I was salivating at that possibility. You're talking about six potential years of Zach Lee versus, I guess, maybe two years of Joaquin Benoit. I mean – uh, I would have taken that in a second. Yeah, and the funny thing about Zach Lee there is I gave the Padres such a hard time for drafting Spangenberg when the Dodgers, you know, 20 picks later, picked Zach Lee and gave him $5 million or something crazy. Yeah, it was great. They pay the bonus, and we get to pull him away, pull him away a couple years later. Exactly. That's win-win. However, he, he hasn't been throwing well recently. He got called up to the PCL. I guess no one really throws, throws well in the PCL, and he's no. been getting hit pretty hard there, but – um, well, I mean, yeah, just Despagne was getting shelled at the PCL, and he's you know doing an adequate job up in the majors. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, I guess it should be noted that for Joaquin Benoit, it's not just a 2015. Uh, it's you know if he keeps this up, he's going to invest in 2016 at eight million dollars, which isn't you know it's not that bad. You know, assuming he keeps up something close to what he's doing now. Right. I mean, if if the contract is vesting, then that means he's throwing well, and then you want right, him at eight yeah. million dollars. So I I'm not really. Yeah, I guess but I just again, added, added upside, actually, for the Dodgers. I'm on the side that was all in on dumping everyone. Um, I, I see the value in keeping Kennedy because he's under contract and you know he fills a rotation spot pretty well. But uh, I, I and also my, my I was looking at the other trades and, and obviously the big name was John John Lester. You know, Samarja got traded. There weren't that many big name starters that went, which tells me that I, maybe the market wasn't as good once you get below the Lester. Um, Caliber pitchers. Um, I mean, regardless of Ruben Amaro's competency, I mean, the Phillies didn't trade Cliff Lee. Um, boy, did that backfire, by the way. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, I'm, and you know, as bad I'm, as I'm surprised here, that wasn't, you know, it's hilarious. I'm surprised that wasn't Ian Kennedy last night for the Padres. Like, normally uh, that's the sort of thing that would happen to the Padres and not the Phillies, but I'm. That's so, that's so I, Padres. I feel so bad for Cliff Lee and, and the Phillies, to be honest, but like, at some level, it's like it wasn't the Padres. Like, wow, we, we really missed the bullet there. Yeah, and, you know, as bad as things are getting this season, we're not the, the Phillies. <laughs> you know, That's we don't owe Ryan Howard $100 million. Uh, Cliff Lee, 50-something in two years. Um, yeah, but, I mean, if the Padres were going to win the World Series this year, I would I would put up with DeAndre Alonso getting paid $100 million the next 10 years. That's fine. Yes, you know? yes. So every, you pay a price for what you do. And now they're paying the price for that World Series, essentially. Yeah, well, so we got a we got a closer, right? We got a closer going into next season, and that's not the end of the world. But at the same time, I think we were both in agreement: long-term assets would have been nice. Yeah, you know, um, I, there's always next trade deadline. You know, there could be a market for Benoit. We'll get something out of him. I, I don't know. The Padres just have this weird thing with closers, and I think it's just because it's the they get the most. They don't have to have a star per se, but they can market them like a star. Um, so that they don't have to actually pay for a real superstar. And, and it doesn't even can... matter who it is, right? Like we, we you went th- No, no, they did the same time. entries for Rod Beck, Gene Harris. Yeah. We've had some terrible uh, closers in the past. That... And, and like, just based on the players currently on the Padres, like, I can think of a million ways to market all of their other relief pitchers if they had to throw them a closer. Like, if it's Quackenbush, just bring back the San Diego chicken, change it into a duck, you know? 
Yeah, there totally. And, and obviously Thayer's facial hair sells himself. Yeah, <laughs> so, you don't even need – he doesn't even need a song. It's just complete silence in the ballpark when it comes to the – Some kind of uh, some kind of medley or uh, or clip clip thing with um, a bunch of scenes from uh, Gangs of New York. I think that would be great. A bunch <laughs> of Bill the Butcher. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right. Um, let's move on then. Uh, we – talked last podcast about how we wanted to do this structured and have sections that we come back to uh, and rotate between. So this week we have a new one. It's called Butt Pats. I don't think nothing better than a good butt snap. Butt slap. Smack. Slap. Swat to the rear. And they slap hard. Butt slapper. Butt tapper. Padding on the butt. Quick pop. <laughs> Whack. Bang. Oh. Pretty self-explanatory. We give out butt pats to people for doing positive things uh, in the past a uh, week or so, however long it's been between podcasts. Uh, would you like to give out the very first Quintelligence podcast, Butt Pat? Yes, and coming from Change the Padres, giving giving out a butt pat to someone on the Padres right now is, uh, I, you know, it's, it's unheard of. Yeah, they well, must have done something exceptional. Wait you hear the reason, yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. Um, oh, I guess I'll, I'll just jump into it. So I'm giving a butt pat to Tommy Medica, and it's – really mainly because he's taking away playing time from Yonder Alonso. And the reason he gets the official butt pad and not just me saying thank you for playing good is that he actually got into the lineup two days in a row, which is impossible to do in Bud Black's lineup. Now, granted, one of those was at first base. The next one was on left field. It wasn't back-to-back games at first base. But that is still an accomplishment, and I want to thank you for potentially putting an end to the Yonder Alonso uh, shit fest at first base over the past few years. I really hope that if the Potters don't add a first baseman in the offseason, that it's because they're giving a job to Tommy Medica. Well, I, I haven't seen the lineup for today. Is he in the lineup? I have not looked at the lineup today because I didn't I'll want to ruin the butt hat. I'm pulling it up now. But, uh, look, after he went uh, with no undershirt yesterday, I'm not sure how you could resist giving him a nice butt pat. Um, he was really sporting the chest hair yesterday. It was. Uh, I don't know where he's from, but uh, – I don't want to say it's a little bit Jersey Shore. I kind of like that attitude coming from him coming off five for five. I think you can do pretty much anything you want. Yeah. I actually got some shit on Twitter yesterday because I was driving back from Point Loma seafood, which was delicious by the way. And Ted Leitner was on the broadcast and the Padres had just pulled a double switch where they brought in Alexia Marista. Ted Leitner on the radio said that they were double switching out Tommy Medica. And in my head, I was like, why would you do that? He has another at-bat guaranteed, but it turns out that it was actually under Alonzo who I got in double-switched. Uh, and so before I was able to fix that on Twitter, I got like 10 people telling me I'm an idiot. <laughs> so I want to thank you, Ted Leitner, for making a bunch of Padres fans call me an idiot on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Medica – oh, hitting cleanup. Left yeah, field. there you go. Another butt pat. Three games in a row. Another yeah. butt pat. Look, any way they can get him into the lineup at this point is, is great. Uh, also, no Alonzo. Grandal is at first base today. Excellent. See, yeah. oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. I know you and I love Alonzo. Or, uh, yeah, love I, Randall, were, so. yeah, I guess you were probably at dinner at the time, but uh, just classic Alonzo. I think the bases were loaded, and he swings at the first pitch and hits a weak pop up to shortstop. It was uh, just, just classic. Was that before or after he looked at strike three and then argued with the umpire? As Dick Enberg was saying, oh, that pitch was like right down the middle. It might have been after. Oh, you know, all around a great game, very typical great game for Alonzo. Yeah, I actually, um, I actually do want to give another butt pat here to uh, Wayne Partello. This is out of nowhere here, but yesterday, I don't know anyone listening to the broadcast. The uh, Dick Enberg and Mark Grant, one of them had their Windows computer up very loud on volume, and they were like on spreadsheet. And you know how it makes an, like a ding noise when yes. you go too far. I kept hearing that like, also. Oh, my God. So I finally – I uploaded uh, Vine to my phone. I didn't have it before. And then I tweeted out a small segment where the ding noise can be heard twice in a row, um, basically saying, make sure they turn this off. And I got a response this morning saying, we'll get we'll get on it. So that's awesome. I'm glad they're attentive like that because if I'm going to spend my time watching an awful Padres team, at least don't have the Windows dings going on. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, at least you get responses from Wayne Partello. I think he, he wishes I'm a, I was dead. Uh I think. I can't tell. 
Yeah. Well, uh, I also posted a great article about Jesse Agler this week. I thought it was very favorable towards him. I did call him a shill, which, of course, you know, by definition, he is a team shill. Uh, I got no response from him. I got nothing. I thought you he know would uh, he appreciate actually, it. On, on Padres Live yesterday, he actually read out a question I tweeted out about Bud Black was on, and Bud Black had said that uh, the reason the Padres are hitting better is because players are regressing to their career means. Um, and we should expect that more, and we should play better because of that. And I had tweeted out that shouldn't this apply to the pitchers that are overperforming as well? And actually, Jesse Agler read that out on air. He actually said change the Padres on the Padres broadcast, oh, which nice, I found nice. fantastic. So, and now uh, you just need to cross-promote with Quintelligence when you get on there. Exactly. So uh, a mini butt pat there for Jesse, I guess. Nice, yeah. Maybe he can acknowledge my existence at some point also. Yeah, he will. We just got to keep pumping this out, and, and that'll I happen. saw you got a personal invite to visit the studio. I did, but it's kind of a catch-22, right? I have to go to the game. They're like, yeah, you buy tickets, and then you can come check out the studio. It's kind of like if they were to give me a lanyard and a champagne Well, toast. you actually could uh, go when they're out of town because they are still taping, and it's free access to the team store. That is genius. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Um, all right. Uh, let's move forward from the butt pats, unless you have an, an additional one you want to hand out right now. Well, I guess just in general, you just made a statement. Uh, I don't have a butt pat, but I, you, you actually just said, uh, you know, they owe they owe us to at least have a clean broadcast for this awful team. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, you know, I, I have to say this last week since, and I'm going to say it's at least in part to the debut of Intelligence, the team has been very entertaining to watch. Uh, they're hitting, you know, except for the game that I actually paid to go to on Thursday. Um, they're hitting, they're entertaining, like there's enthusiasm. Um, I don't think it's here to stay, but are you at least enjoying the last week of Padres baseball? It depends. So I enjoy when they play better, obviously. I'm a fan and I like when they win. However, if they're just going to come back down to earth, you know, Padres earth, and they're going to miss out on, you know, the eighth pick, and end up with pick 11 because they won three stupid games at the beginning of August, then I'm going to look back on this with regret. So I am I was very entertained last night by the win. I thought it was a great extra innings win. You stayed till the end on, on FSSD? Uh, I did. So I actually recorded it, and I went back, and I caught up to the game by the time it was ending. Okay. So I, after I got back from dinner, yeah. Anyways, um, I did enjoy the walk-off victory, and I thought the Gatorade's Splurge at the end was great, too. Uh, another butt pat for uh, Jesse Agler. For, um, I had tweeted this last night, but either for his consummate professionalism or his incredibly slow reflexes to <laughs> just stand there and not move and take the Gatorade bath. It was fantastic. It's one of those – I don't know if you've ever done, like, acting before. I did it in, like, seventh and eighth grade, and I once did this play where I was going to get hit with an object and I wasn't going to see it. Yeah, and you just had to stand there and take it, and I feel like he might have known that, and and that's just that's what it was. A consummate professional is, I guess, what that is. Or, All right, then full on, full on butt pat, not just a mini butt pat. Upgrade Jesse Agler to full on butt pat. So he gets a butt pat in half then today. He's leading the league in butt pats. Yeah, it's almost a series of butt pats. Nice. All right, uh, let's feel get free to, to deliver the- that when you visit the uh, <laughs> hand those out in person when you uh, studio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it might take a few times hanging out normal before I get to the butt pat level. Yeah, before like, we get to the, the handsy stage. Where is butt pat, by the way? Is that at first base or between first and second base? How would that? How does that fit on the base schedule, butt pats? Huh. Uh, I, I I think it's actually running to first base. It's on I'm the go with first. That, yeah. Okay. It, it's not really a – well, I guess it is technically a bathing suit area, so – uh, let's go. Let's go. Solid single, rounding the bag. All right. All right. I like that. All right. And then back to our very successful segment last week, where we uh, discussed the odds of various things happening. The Moneyball segment. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one. Never tell me the odds. So let me kick this off. Uh, the first question I have today, I need to give a little background on this. So before the season starts, everyone predicts what's going to happen during the season. I got very specific on a few things. Uh, one of them that I got very specific on was that I thought the Padres, this upcoming winner, would skimp out on replacing Chase Headley. And my whole premise for it was that 
Corey Spangenberg would come up in September, have a good one month. Padres fans would buy that he was a second baseman of the future based on just one month of data. And the Padres would use this to their advantage, push Jericho to third, and start next season with Spangenberg as a second baseman. It's a little complicated now because I acquired Taylor Lindsay, but I want to ask this because at the time I was asked by another Padres blogger, what are the actual odds I think this happens? And I gave a number, and I want to see now if you think it's above or below what it was then now that we know Chase isn't coming back. And so the question is, what are the odds that Corey Spangenberg is the opening day starter at second base in 2015? Huh. Well, uh, I would have thought, you know, things are kind of falling into place for that even being a possibility. Um, Jerko is hitting pretty well since he's come back from the disabled list. Um, you know, hitting well enough that you could feasibly imagine him, you know, hitting enough to field the third base position. Um, I do think that after trading Houston Street for Taylor Lindsay, and Lindsay's hitting okay in AAA right now, I think that they would try Taylor Lindsay before they would call Spangenberg up. Um, I don't know his stats offhand. I, I see it pop up on Twitter. He has uh, good games here and there, so I'm guessing he's doing okay. Um, but I think it's a very low percentage chance that he will be the opening day starter in 2015. I'm going to put that at uh, 7%. All right, so that's – I had said 15%, so that's about – I've lost about half of it. What if Taylor Lindsay didn't exist? What if he uh, wasn't there? I'd up, the, up it to 30%. Okay, so you think there's a good chance next year we start the year with Taylor Lindsay as the second baseman, basically. Yes, the team excels at finding uh, off-the-scrap-heap utility men, so I'll okay, that's fair. go that route first. Uh, okay, I, I can't really disagree with either of those odds. Uh, Spangenberg is – hitting great at double A right now. But when I say great, a lot of it's BABIP aided. Um, he's got a high average, but um, without having the line drive statistics, I can't tell if the BABIP is supposed to come back to earth or not. Um, but that is at least promising. Now that is only double A. Uh, he has been there a while. So uh, this is sort of expected from him. Uh, I, I guess I think it's, it's, the, the problem here is that he's probably not going to get a call up in September. And if he does, it'll probably be in too limited a playing time to really make a huge impact. So 7% is fair. Um, I, I'm a little disappointed. I'm not going to be right on that. But at the same time, uh, I'm glad that they have someone else. They don't have to use this. Oh, one month good data excuse this year. They actually have someone with a real claim to second base in Taylor Lindsay now. Okay. So the second question here, this is one that you had posed to me. Um, for those of you at home not knowing how we come up with these questions, uh, we generally just throw them back and forth on email and just whatever sticks, sticks. Uh, I, I think like you mean that we have a rigorous brainstorming session. Hours, oh, yeah, sorry. Hours yeah, yeah, sorry. We actually a lot go of show to, prep. Yeah, we, we go, we get a silent room somewhere, and we sit down for hours with a pot of coffee and come up with these questions. Yeah. I didn't want these to these, this is the cream of the crop here. This is the top yes. of the heap. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the question is, what are the chances or what are the odds that Despagne will stay in the rotation for the entire 2015 season performance-wise? I've got it at a – I think it's a 50-50 shot with him. The, I, we talked about it last week, but there's a lot of pitchers that need their shot for the team to evaluate them. Um, I, I wouldn't actually be all surprised to see him traded at some point maybe if he keeps up the performance – sell high on him. Um, but you've got Whistler, you've got Kelly, you've got Lubke, you've got these arms you need to evaluate at the major league level. And obviously Stoltz's spot is going to open up, but there's not that many other spots that can open up at this point. So um, I, I just think he'll have a, a string of bad games, two, three, four, maybe. And that'll be it. He'll get waved or sent down. I don't know. Who knows, but he won't be in the starting rotation. So, Lower that to 40%, actually. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go lower. And it's not because I don't like the guy. I think he's very fun to watch. And the, and the cool thing about him is that maybe as a fifth starter is that he can go deep into games. I know I touched on this earlier, but the Padres, they've had a long string of having starters that can't go deep into games. And despite having an awesome bullpen, they really get taxed by that. You know, like 
when Padres last year, they had something like 20 starts in a row where no one got to the sixth inning. Yeah, I, re- I recall that. That is incredible. And if you can have a guy, a junk baller like Despagne, go deep into games in the fifth spot in your rotation, I mean, I think that's valuable in, its, in itself. However, I don't see his performance keeping up. And fan graphs, and I'll link to this in the podcast um, post here, they have a great post on Despagne, basically breaking down what he throws and pitchers that are similar to him. And it's not favorable. So he throws so many cutters, so many sinkers, both above 25% of his pitches. Uh, he has this slow curve and another curve and a slider. And the whiff rate for all of those breaking pitches is 8% or less, which is very low. Now, I'm not sure if any of you guys keep up with whiff percentage. I know there's a lot of people that will listen to this that are on top of new age stats and a bunch of people who won't be up on new age stats. This one isn't like one of those ones with the complicated formula. This is simply the number of pitches that a batter swings and misses at for that type of pitch. And it's useful because if it's a high percentage, that means that uh, he has good stuff essentially. But with the it's, it seems like more of it is the unpredictability of what he's throwing because batters aren't familiar with them than the stuff itself, because no one's swinging and missing at his stuff, really, because of the stuff, I guess I should say. Now, at the so, same time, I, I lived in D.C. for a while. I saw the tail end of Levon Hernandez's career, and this isn't a, 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 an opinion that would be popular with, with pure sabermetric fans, but uh, I don't know if there's some un, just something that can't be tracked by stats, but he basically threw the same junk that Despagne was throwing, you know, 60-mile-per-hour curveball, very low whiff percentage, just trying to induce weak contact. And even in his later years, he was being at least league average in his pitching. Um, so I, I don't know if it's – and El Duque as well is doing the, you know, just the same type of thing. So I don't know if it's a Cuban thing or or what, or if it just can't be tra- tracked with stats. But somehow a lot of these guys that come over from Cuba are able to just get people out. Yeah, And, and so- I, I do think Despani is part of his – his deal is to induce weak contact if possible. Exactly. And so that's the other part of it. So is he a guy who's getting by right now based on just small sample size, or is he a type of pitcher like Henderson Alvarez or Rick Porcello who will have a good walk rate? Cause right now he has a pretty useful walk rate. I mean, it's not great. His strikeout rate is pretty low, but the walk rate is like below three and a half. So uh, that's useful. And he gets a high percentage of ground balls. Now, if both of those stay where they are and he's pitching, you know, far into games, then I guess he could be, like you said, uh, a 40-year-old LeVon Hernandez, but he's only 27. Yes. Right. But uh, Look, so he's I not think- being paid that much. He's, uh, I, I just think he's the, you know, at the point next season where the team's looking to cost cut like usual, assuming we don't have a good season, which is a fair assumption, um, I, I just feel like they're going to look to get rid of one of the higher salary pitchers first, and you still got to fill a rotation with someone. Um, so why not fill it with someone cheap? Yeah, and he is really cheap. Yeah. So I think, but the question was performance wise, and I think I. Think but performance wise, he just has to perform well enough that they can justify the argument to keep him in the in the rotation. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. It'll. A lot of this will be determined by who they trade in the offseason. If they don't trade any of those starters in the offseason, then I think there's a much higher chance that he gets replaced due to performance because he will be the worst guy in that rotation then. Yes. If they yeah. come back with Ian Kennedy and Kashner and Ross and Jesse Hahn, he is the fifth best of those five yeah, guys. Yeah, he is for the sure. Yeah. At the same so, time, he's one of the better five pitchers that we've had in years. But Yeah, that'll be one of the few places where the Padres have an advantage over other teams is at the fifth yeah. starter spot. Maybe not over the Tigers, for example, but over uh, you know the rest of this division, if we're throwing him as our fifth starter, that's, well, I guess the Dodgers would counter with Josh Beckett or something ridiculous. But uh, All right, so I'll go 30%, so a little bit below yours. Um and, of course, this does not include injury, so we're assuming right. he stays yeah. healthy um, for this. Okay, the third one, and this is your alley. It's not going to be my alley because I could not tell you the prices on these things. Okay. What are the odds that ticket, beer, and other concession prices get reduced in 2015? Um, 
I, I'm going to go ahead and say 10%. Um, I can already vouch for my season tickets. They did not go down in price. They did not go up in price or the same. Um, but I have heard that other sections they believe went up, but I haven't confirmed that. Um, I cannot see beer prices going down. Or if they if they do, it'll be a cut to like Bud Light, not to the craft beers. Um, concessions, uh, concessions really, as far as other ballparks go, they're pretty much on par with the rest of them. Um, even their premium offerings, like the Cardiff crack sandwich and stuff, um, which they actually cut the price on mid season. Um, I, I just can't see those prices going down at this point. And this team has proven time and again, this management team has proven time and again, that they are in this for revenue maximization. And if they are not going to draw more people to the yard, then they are going to make that money back via concessions and beer as best and advertising as best they can. So, um, and I also think that's what Mike D was charged with when he came in was to better maximize ballpark revenue. So I really can't see those prices going down. I could see them bringing in more premium offerings, which will be more expensive. And then they'll just say that they're more expensive because they're premium. So that makes sense. Uh, I'm going with a very low percentage on that. Okay. And having known nothing about this, really, I'm going to go with 0%. I just don't – like – and this is based off of Beergate. So for those of you not familiar with Beergate, this is something that Padres Jagoff here uh, brought to the forefront on Twitter and then ultimately got um, rebroadcast on the UT um, – online publication basically the it was in print as well in the print section print nice so basically although they they did uh they did exclude the name padres jagoff it was not allowed by the editor well maybe in the future they'll use cointelligence that sounds pretty pretty nice um so quote a contributor from cointelligence i can see it already (laughs) (laughs) um so basically the padres changed the beer price mid-season without telling anyone well, not the price. To be specific, they reduced the quantity of the of they reduced it from 24 to 20 ounces, but left the signs up that said it was 24 ounces, and kept the price at the same as what it was for 24 ounces. And that went on for about two months. Yeah, and basically, I think a team that's going to do that is not going to be you know you're doing something like that subtly, uh, subtly to increase revenue. I don't see how they're going to be the type of people that's going to cut ticket concession and, and beer prices globally for the whole ballpark next year. Hey, you can't blame them. They said it was an honest mistake. So, you know, no hard feelings, except for all of the additional revenue that they made uh, through fraud. Um, <laughs> hey, no big deal. NBD on that one. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're in agreement. It's not going to go down and that's a bummer. I think it should because the team sucks and, when you're bad, you should be influencing more people to come to the games. One and thing other I do teams, want... other teams induce people to come to the games when they're terrible by having cheap beer and cheap concessions, and they're like, "Just come out anyways. We're losing, but you can at least have a fun time with their family." The Padres are like, "We want to wring every dollar out of you, and if that deters you from going in the future, then uh, you know, whatever." Uh, I, I don't get their strategy sometimes with that. I think their strategy is just that they know we're in a, a complacent, brain-dead fan base. Like, And they know they got zombies. the checks yeah. coming in, and they got the advanced media checks coming in. Right. We're just like zombies that go to the games because it's baseball. Duh, we have to go to the games. You don't have to go to the games, people. If you think – you know, this is San Diego. There's tons of things to do in San Diego. Yeah, you guys should go to the games. It's a fun time. <sighs> So there's ways to economize your time there. It's a fun time. You can spend – it's better money spent than going to the, the average movie at the movie theater. Oh, I, I don't think the movie theater is a good deal at all. But, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you should express yourself at some level through the amount that you go to the games. And maybe everyone is already. Maybe if the Potters were great, everyone would go to every game. I don't know. We haven't had the opportunity to see if that's true or not because the Potters haven't been great since they moved into Petco. So – I know they won a, a division or two, but a lot of that was largely the fact that the Dodgers had Jeff Morad, L.A., as their owner in, in uh, McCourt. But, all right, so I'm off track here. So 
prices will not go down. That's what we're saying. And the final odds question here, this is another one from Padres Jagoff. What are the odds that Jesse Hahn makes it through the entire 2015 season? Um, so Padres fans need to know the background on Jesse Hahn before I get into this. So Jesse Hahn was drafted back in 2011, I believe. And he was drafted knowing uh, that Jesse Hahn needed Tommy John surgery. And I know that's come – this is one of the first times this ever happened, actually, that people know about. I know this most recent season there were a bunch of pitchers like this, and so it was a big story. Um, but Hahn was picked this way. Um, the Rays paid for the procedure. Then in the spring of 2012, Jesse Hahn was actually playing basketball, and he hurt himself, I think a stress fracture in his foot or something like that. And he missed more time. So overall, he has not thrown very much in his career. Um, this year, he has about 90 innings or so. I believe that's the most he's ever thrown in any, any year. So uh, there's a good chance this guy doesn't last because he doesn't have the arm uh, stamina. Also, the long history of injuries, although I think the foot one is kind of flukish and not related to his arm at all. Um, so there's a good chance that this is a guy who's going to get hurt or have injury concerns. But that said, I'm going to say it's a high 75%, which is about what it is for any pitcher. The reason being, he hasn't really had much arm problems since his Tommy John. Uh, the second reason being, I think the Potters will limit his innings this season. And I think next year they'll be bad again, and they'll have incentive to limit his innings next year. And so uh, I don't think this is a case where they're going to overwork him. I think – uh, and, and additionally, another factor here, when the new GM comes in, there might be new standards and practices put in to distance themselves from what they've been doing in the past, which is allowing all of their pitchers to have Tommy John. So well, st- statistically, a lot of the issues are with sliders, aren't they? I mean, for arm troubles. And so it's nice to have a pitcher that doesn't rely on us. I'm much more worried about Tyson Ross's arm than I am Jesse Hans. Um, Han's got a, you know, his out pitches his curveball. Um, and yeah, I'm not actually, I shouldn't say that because Jesse Han's had arm problems and I'm not really sure what they were or what caused them, but, uh, you know, the, the general, the general consensus is to handle people like him with kid gloves. So uh, I can't see like a Preller coming in and throwing him for 220 innings. So what's interesting there is it, it seems like Preller will be the GM they're going to choose based on the media reports and everything. The The Rangers do treat their young arms with kid gloves. So uh, Martin Perez, for example, and I guess maybe he's a bad example because he did end up getting hurt. But they brought him up as a relief pitcher. They babied him there. They limited his innings, blah, blah, blah. And they've done that with a bunch of the arms they had brought up um, along the way. Derek Holland, uh, another example. So he's coming from a school of thought where that is popular. So, um, again, I think you put this all together, not a major arm issue since 2011, since Tommy John, uh, a freak foot injury. So actually his his, uh, innings have been limited. So sometimes that's a good thing because it's not a lot of, um, you know, stress on the arm from throwing consistently for five consecutive years or something. And it should be noted, it's limited at a pretty low amount. I mean, it, what is it, 120, supposedly reported at 120 innings? Yeah. So, so and I think they've been doing a pretty good job at that, too, to be honest. Like, normally they're really bad at this sort of thing, but they've thrown, they've sent them down. They had them throw only a couple innings in this start, and then they bring them back up. And I think they've actually done a pretty good job managing his workload this season, uh, which is promising because they never seem to do that well. Um, yeah, you know, I, well, let's say one thing. They tried to with Latos back in the day, and then they, they wound up in the pennant race at the end, and they just kept throwing him out there until his arm was about to fall off. So I feel like they really wanted to do that. They just got forced into these situations where they had to keep throwing these guys out there. But, you know, when you're as bad as they are this year, it makes it pretty easy to uh, shut them down. And, you know, I've said it, I, I'd like to see what Whelan, Kelly – Lubke can do in the majors. I'd like to see a month of it, you know, at least. Um, yeah, but it's loop. I don't think. Okay, so I'm actually uh, on Monday. So before this podcast goes out, I have an article coming out uh, looking at the Padres with no value. 
at all. And so that basically just means that no one in baseball, no team in baseball would accept them on their current contract uh, for free, not even giving us something in return. And Corey Lubke is one of those guys. He just had a second Tommy John surgery. I don't even think he'll throw another pitch for the Padres. Like, I think he'll come back very slowly from that. And then the Padres won't exercise the option for the 2016 season, and then he's gone. So I think that's what's going to happen with him. Or maybe yeah, yeah, maybe he's out for the year, right? Because he, he had this surgery in like February or January or something. So he, and he's definitely be, out for the rest of this season, right? Yes, and he'll be out for some of next season too, especially because it's his second one. He's going to come back slowly, and then on top of yes, so maybe he'll throw a few innings at the end of next year. I wouldn't count on that at all, but. I guess there is a chance that the Padres don't uh, accept the 2016 option, but then he ends up re-signing here anyways. Um, so that might be the way that he stays on the roster. But as it is, yeah, I guess Whelan, Kelly, Erland, those are reasonable ones to want to look at in the future, but I'm just not holding my breath at all with Corey Lukey. It would be a nice plus if you, know, if you could earn a little yeah. money. but uh... and It's a bummer, right, because the Padres didn't do anything wrong here. He, no, no, well, they made the he right was good. He was a young pitcher. They gave him, uh, you know, guaranteed money, and they just and got not him even money. that much money. Um, you right. know, I guess they could have given him. You know, I do think they jumped the gun a little bit sometimes with the extensions, and they're like, "We got to do this now." Um, Lukey had a lot of eligibility left. You know, they didn't have to do it right then. He wasn't arbit- Was he arbitration eligible? I don't think he was arbitration eligible yet. No, he wasn't. Um, you know. You know, I said the same thing about Jerko last year. You know, it wouldn't hurt to wait a year. I don't think it would materially change the numbers on the contract that much. But I think it would. So, the okay, odds are it wouldn't, right? But in the case that Jerko has an awesome second year, they're already pricing themselves out of the value there, right? Well, Whereas a lot now, of the data shows that second baseman, you know, hitters don't make as much in arbitration. You pitchers, their salary jumps up during arbitration. Even hitters that hit well, it doesn't have the same jump. It, it certainly goes up, but it does. It's not the same. It's not like Tim Lincecum making fifteen million dollars out of arbitration. You know, it's very rare for a hitter to get that kind of payoff. Right, but so what about what about the first year in free agency though? So let's say Jerko turns out to be a star, hitting twenty-five home runs a year at second base, playing adequate defense there. Uh, yeah, we've seen it. You know, you, you, Dan, just look at Dan Ugla's contract because that's basically who Jed Jerko is. Um, you know, it's high. Yeah, it's a lot of money. But um, I, I just don't think you have to jump at it after his rookie season. I'm not I, saying I, I don't. I don't think his. I don't think his asking price goes up enough versus the risk that you're taking on by signing him after one year. It's just, I don't think there's yeah I, the risk is low though right I mean his contract is thirty million like total over six yes, years that's, yeah that's, for sure yeah that's very low risk in my well opinion. for other teams for other Whereas teams he has a huge I mean if he ends up being a great player that first year of free agency is going to be paying him more than half of that thirty million so if you yeah, want him for that and I'm not advocating him, don't extend him I just think you can wait till his second year. Uh, of major league minimum before you before you you know second third you still keep him pre arbitration but there's no reason you can't extend him then and I, I don't well, think that the difference the, the in the extension is that huge. The reason for it though is that it's harder to extend guys then because they're closer to like actually getting money and when you're closer to getting guaranteed money you're more inclined to wait to see what the true market price is rather than accepting a little bit below market in order to secure financial you know certainty for yourself going forward. And if they want – so the only way you would want Jed Jericho for that first free agent season is if he's actually good. And if he's actually good, he's going to he's gonna get $15 million plus for that one season. So if you want him for that season, in essence, what you have to do is pay him early. And it's a risk the Potters are always going to have to take. It's always going to seem like it's not earned, and it's not truly earned at that point in time. But that's, that's the route they're always going to have to take. It's just that we have egg on our face from all of those deals so far. Yeah, and that's that does actually scare me that they're going to start moving away from that strategy after Hunley, Lukey, Maven, um, Jerko so far. Um, yeah, but you're, so, you're right. You know, for a team like the Padres with their apparent level of payroll, um, you have to do stuff like that. And they tried, you know, with Cashner. He didn't. He's smart and realized he could make more. Well, at the time, he thought he could make more on the uh, open market. But yeah, that's his agent. Yeah, for sure. But. Uh, you know, players have a voice also if they really want to. I mean, yeah. players are the boss, the agents are the employees. So, um, but 
they're, you know, I hope they keep pursuing that. And I hope, I assume Preller, who I think will be announced this week as a GM, will also take that opinion. Hey, let's try to get Preller on this podcast. You've yeah, got the connections. I will uh, try my best. I, I don't know them, him at all. So, you know what would be interesting would be to get, like, Josh Burns on the podcast. See, that would be something that I would I think that would be great. More. Yeah, um, I would much rather prefer that. Now, these are both lofty names to get here, so let's start small and work towards that. But um, I just I just have so many questions to ask him that – how do you not get a hold really, of a Josh Burns? Like, you go through his agent, find out who his agent is? I think the best way would probably be to go, to go through a sports writer, to be honest. I think they would probably have all those connections. Yeah. Darren Smith, um, just ask him for his phone number. Yeah. Hey, Darren, what's – what's? Yeah. oh, probably, you want Josh Burns' phone number? Here it is. Yeah, he's probably home on a Sunday. I mean, we could probably get him on the show, right? Yeah. Just send him some beer. I think that'll work. Look, Josh, we're talking about a blog that got 250 hits on uh, Thursday. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're not talking small time. <laughs> How many did you get with Padres Jagoff, by the way? How much was that? Uh, you know, it was in the it was in the tens, tens of hits. The tens. I like it. That's You had a small but consistent. Small but devoted. Leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. It's one of the few things about the Padres that actually made me laugh. That wasn't like one of those, oh, my God, laughs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, you got to look for stuff like that with this team. Uh, you know, right. learn that in like 30-plus years. So. All right, well, so, I think yeah. that wraps. That oh, wraps I didn't get my percentage for Jesse Hahn. My, uh, I oh, believe right. that he has a – I think it's 75% chance of making it through the 2015 season. Nice. We're in perfect agreement here. Yeah. 75%. All right. Well, then that's going to wrap up this second podcast. Thanks again for listening. We do value your, your feedback. Um, I tried to make this work on iTunes. It works for me through iTunes. Apparently it doesn't work for Padres Jagoff, so I'm going to play around with that some more. Um, but, uh, yeah, stay tuned as far as that's, that goes. I'm going to get it all set up to automatically download to your phones and stuff. You won't be able to avoid us. So thanks again for listening, and we'll try to get another one out next week. Go Padres. Go Padres.